0: the innovative tool that helps turn your shipping challenges into opportunities for growth. Go to ShipStation.com and use code CARA to sign up for your free 60-day trial. That's ShipStation.com, code CARA. Use code Kara for a free 60-day trial. That's ShipStation.com, promo code CARA. I am
1: unwilling to give up.
0: We'll talk with founders, entrepreneurs, CEOs, and really some of the most interesting people of our time. Can't wait to get started. Let's go. Let's go. Hi, everyone. It's Kara Golden from The Kara Golden Show, and I am so excited to have our next founder and CEO here with us today. We have Allie Kane, who is the founder and CEO of Haven's Kitchen. And I have to tell you, I had not heard of Haven's Kitchen until I was introduced through a friend and the sauces that they have created are Absolutely amazing. They're in the greatest little squeezable bottles as well. Squeezable packaging, I should say, not even bottles. Allie will get into that, but (laughs) so, so, so cool. And basically, the company's on a mission to help home cooks feel like champions with easy, bold, healthy flavor shortcuts. And unlike many entrepreneurs, Allie actually did come from the food space since 2012. She's been helping people cook. She had opened an incredible cooking school in New York City called Haven's Kitchen Cooking School. And then she decided in 2018 that it was time to launch her first Mm -hmm. product into stores. She's now national with Whole Foods and available online and lots of other stores as well. Just an incredible, incredible product company entrepreneur, and I Hmm. cannot even wait to get more into the conversation. So welcome, Allie. Thank you. That was such a nice introduction. Absolutely. Let's start with the company. So I'd love for you to share a little bit with the listeners. What is Haven's Kitchen? That's a very good question, because sometimes my elevator
1: pitching isn't so stellar. But I would say, you know, put simply, Haven's Kitchen is a home cooking company, So we have products, the first of which is our squeezy fresh sauces. We have education. You know, we have uh, about 500 recipe videos and tips and tricks. But ultimately, we're a company on a mission, like you said, to make home cooks feel like champions, simply because there are more people cooking than ever. And they have, you know, a lot of things that make them sort of nervous making healthy meals, time management, I don't know what to make. And so our approach is that if you have great products that help you get good flavor, that are like good for you, and you know how those products are going to make your life easier and we can make your life better, then we've got the solution to the problem.
0: I love it. And you had a cooking school before. Mm -hmm. uh, And can you talk a little bit about that? Like, did you always cook? I mean, were you always this, you know, chef that was constantly making things? How did you decide to start that?
1: I have been cooking since I was eight or nine. I was one of those seventies kids that, you know, my mom was like, I, I've worked hard not to be in the kitchen. And I was like, well, great. I get to make, you know, salmon with mayonnaise and things like that. Um, So I cooked my whole life. I actually started teaching cooking like as early as college Um, But I didn't really think that was a career. Um, I had a lot of kids pretty shortly after I graduated from college. And then I went back to get a degree in food systems, food policy um, Mm -hmm. when my kids were young. So as part of that degree, I really learned about not only sort of the joy of cooking, but the importance of cooking on personal health, community, farm labor practices, the environment, food policy, hunger, everything. And, you know, there are just not enough people learning how to cook. And there weren't enough people teaching people how to cook. There were culinary schools. There were these beautiful cookbooks. But, you know, people just want to learn how to make a chicken and what to do with a carrot. Um, So true. And in New York, there really wasn't anything like it. So I opened Haven's Kitchen in 2012. Um, It was... Pretty much a success overnight, which was kind of amazing. Mostly because, like we were saying earlier, we did a lot of private events, people did showers, team building, all sorts of things. We did weddings, um, you know, closing dinners, book parties, all sorts of things. And um, the sauces really evolved out of the cooking school because the students you know, said, thank you very much for teaching us how to make this,
0: but can you just put it <laughs> in a package for me? Because I don't want to do this at home. That's so interesting. So it, the sauce was sort of the secret sauce, literally, that people were remembering from the school. That's mm-hmm. so interesting because I think so many people think, you know, it's about the spices, yet I think that there's, you know, maybe that's part of it, but I think, you know, now it's I get the it. Flavor. It's yeah, about the there's flavor. there's like a
1: the, the the challenge for home cooks is like the soup that they eat at home is not like the soup they have at the restaurant. The mm-hmm. steak that they eat at home, you know, so – and most of that is about time, heat, and yes, you know, the seasoning, right? And how do you get to those like bold, really good, savory seasonings without stressing yourself out? And it's more than ranch and marinara, you know? And those were the options when we started looking around, so – Our flavors are unique and different and globally inspired and they're not boiled, you know, so there's there's a lot of um, a lot of new stuff for people to discover.
0: How did you come? How often have you thought about learning a new language only to be stopped by that memory of yours from the last time you tried to learn a language when it didn't go so well? No matter where you choose to learn it or what platform you choose to learn on, Rosetta Stone works and it truly immerses you in the language you choose to learn quicker and easier than you ever imagined Too, Maybe you're getting ready to travel abroad this summer and you want to learn a bit of Portuguese, let's say, before your trip. Rosetta Stone can help. I know this firsthand as I did just this before traveling to Portugal last year. to subscribe for just 50 cents per week for your first year. That's 80% off their typical offer. So this is truly a steal. Once again, that's WashingtonPost.com backslash Kara Golden to subscribe for just 50 cents per week for your first year. buff up with the name? So,
1: you know, the, the name was the name of the cooking school, So um, this was back in 2010 when I was sort of thinking about, you know, what am I really trying to do? I'm trying to create a safe haven. I'm trying to create a place where people don't feel on edge that they're going to like overcook their chicken or make something that sticks to the pan that they're going to have to scrub for three hours. You know, the kitchen for me was always this creative, happy place. Um, And, you know, I mean, you know, as a founder, your company's mission and your mission are basically the same. I have always been kind of confused as to why people don't love cooking. Mm -hmm. And through teaching for as long as I did, I started understanding why people don't love cooking. They want to cook. They know it's good. You know, they want to feel that like agency, but they're scared mm-hmm. and they are and they're these obstacles in their way. So I wanted to build a place that was a place where they could relax, learn the tips and the tricks and the skills that they needed and, and feel good. And that was a haven.
0: So there are a lot of chefs out there. There's probably less chef schools uh, or cooking mm-hmm. schools, but there are probably... More people that uh, have not actually developed products and decided to take them into places like Whole Foods and maybe are listening and kind of wondering, oh, that's so interesting that she did that. Were you nervous to launch your own products? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, you know, we
1: got very, very lucky because I, you know, we went to the Fancy Food Show in 2017. And we got our little, you know, new kids on the block table. It's like two feet wide, you know, and we put our little pouches there. And I just, you know, basically said, you know, to my team who was helping me, like, if there isn't a buyer for this, then we don't have a thing, right? Like we know that consumers are going to like this. We, We know our students love these sauces, but if we don't have grocery, I mean, this, I wasn't ever thinking about like direct to consumer for this. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't even, you know, that big of a thing in 2018, um, especially for a fresh product. So I was like, if there's no, if there's no store that's like, yay, I like this, then we're, we're not going to do it. You know, I wasn't like, if I build it, they will come. I was like, they better come. Cause if not, I'm not going to build it. So fortunately for us, John Lawson, who was the Northeast grocery buyer for Whole Foods, came directly to our table and like picked up the pouches and was like, what's going on? He had heard of the cooking school because Whole Foods had done a few events there, which was very helpful for us. And he really helped us get ready to go to market. So we launched in 14 New York City Whole Foods and on Fresh Direct um, the following March. So it took us about eight months.
0: Wow. That's amazing. How many SKUs did you launch with?
1: We launched with three. Oh no, I think we launched with four and I got rid of one really quickly because it was like bumming me out because it was like a it was like a kale pesto, but it um, the basil was getting like a little gray kind of color and I just couldn't, I freaked out. And I was yeah. just like, we're discontinuing this. Like I had no data. I did know nothing. I just like ran around and took them all off the shelf and stopped making it, which, you know, is not necessarily
0: the right way to do business with Whole Foods, but it worked. That's how I rolled. It yeah. definitely worked. When you talk about fresh, so just to give people an mm-hmm. idea. So uh, is this, so this isn't chef's shelf stable, you, the, it actually needs refrigeration. So where does it live in, in the stores?
1: All very good questions, which, you know, had I been perhaps a more experienced entrepreneur in the CPG space, I wouldn't have necessarily started with Fresh. Although I will say now, as we, you know, are going into shelf-stable products in the next couple of years, it is a really nice place to build a brand presence. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm sure you think your kids, I I always think about my kids this way, but like your assets are your liabilities and your liabilities are your assets. And Mm -hmm. it's the same with the product. Like Fresh makes it really hard. Fresh, you know, we have 160 day shelf life because we do high pressure pasteurization. So it's not terrible, but it's not shelf stable. Mm -hmm. Um, And to your question about where does it go in the store kind of depends on where the buyers are thinking about innovation, so in some places, there is a refrigerated condiment set, like a Whole Foods. In an Albertsons, we're smack in the middle of produce. In um, some stores where the dairy buyer has sort of the like what we call like the we don't know where to put it set, mm-hmm. which is like plant-based meets like the weird stuff and the hippie food that like some people might want, you know, And the, and it's kind of evolving. So- Again, that's a liability in, in one way because it's not in the same place in every store and you know consumers aren't necessarily looking around for us. Um, but it's an asset because we tend to be next to things that we outperform from a velocity perspective. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's worked to our advantage in a lot of ways because we have a nice premium price point and a high velocity and we're totally incremental. So there's nothing like us, which can be a little bit, hard to explain but there's also nothing like us so we're an incremental product.
0: When you came into the space too there really wasn't anybody in the the section. So you're not only mm-hmm. finding the space but in many ways creating the whole space. Yeah, and shoving totally. people which is hard, which is totally yeah. hard, right? I mean, you're you're up against planograms but you're also up against like there's no what is it? Yeah, like there's there's literally what is it? Mm-hmm. No, what is it? Yeah, no that's so so interesting. Yeah. So,
1: it's kind of why I like talking, you know, we I I love Health Aid, right? I love Perfect Bar. Those are great sort of category busting, you know, brands that created a new category. Mm-hmm. And it took them several years to figure out Where is the consumer the most likely to look for this? And Mm -hmm. it took buyers a long time to figure out, you know, why they needed it, Mm -hmm. Um, but they did. So it's so interesting
0: that you say that, because when we started Hint uh, 17 years ago, you know, we were up against planograms as well, where, you know, there was no unsweetened flavored water. I mean, we were right. we were it and so we would try and get into the fruits and vegetable section because it was really much closer to what we were trying to communicate to mm-hmm. consumers. But the challenge was at that time and I think it's still this way to some extent, mm-hmm. but the fruit and vegetable uh, buyers didn't want something that they weren't going to get credit for. So this, there's this whole world totally. that exists. It's, it's
1: much less cross-functional from a merchandising perspective as I think we would hope maybe from a consumer perspective. Um, and also produce buyers are used to buying commodities. They're not necessarily used to buying packaged goods. And maybe one little you know, four-foot set in that produce set is pushed in from grocery buyers doing salad dressings or dips. Um, but for the most part, they're, you know, really siloed in a yeah. lot of ways. Yeah.
0: And what were you doing before you started a uh, cooking school? Like, how did you know how to do <laughs> any of this? I didn't. I, you know, I,
1: it's funny. I, I, Every year when my kids start school, we do this thing. I mean, now they're older, so we don't need to do it as much. But my son just started law school, and we kind of did the same thing. You know, you're terrified. Like, that's what a learning curve is. You know, when, you, when you're when you embarking on this new thing, first of all, you'd be silly to think that you knew what you were doing if you've sure. never done something before, right? But, you know, yet- a lot of us want to try new things and like, and we want to learn and we're curious and we want to make ourselves better and bring cool things into the world. Um, But you know, it's, it's very scary and you're figuring everything out and everyone has different opinions and you're trying to sort of synergize two categorically opposing things that investors are telling you or buyers are telling you or consumers are telling you. And then, you know, you start to, you start to learn and then, just around the time where you feel like, okay, I kind of know what I'm doing. It's time for third grade or law school or, you know, going from natural to conventional or whatever it is, you know, regional to national. And so, you know, it's it's scary. I mean, I I, I still don't know. I Fortunately, I have a lot of people who I can ask,
0: yeah. but
1: I don't even know what I don't know. So sometimes you don't even know what to ask, you know?
0: They say, ask
1: your investors for help. And I'm like,
0: yeah, what should I
1: ask? Yeah. (laughs) Just be patient with me is basically my big request, you know?
0: I feel too, though, that, you know, and it's not just about investors too. I think it's just having a network out there because sometimes you can even, I felt like the best people who really sort of, they didn't necessarily tell me all the answers, but they led me in the right direction were people mm-hmm. in another category, right? Yes. That, it, that they helped you to think about, oh, okay, maybe I can do it this way, especially when you're breaking new ground to get new space and, uh, yeah. and all of that. So that's, that's super, super interesting. So- you obviously were doing a successful company, a cooking school. Would you say that this is extremely different, um, and and how is it similar in any way?
1: You know, it's it's similar in the sense that like a condominium and a you know family home are similar in the yeah. sense that there is a foundation. That foundation is margin. That foundation is leadership, having a good product, having a safe product. Like, there are some very strong, sort of like important, almost physics to any business that probably don't change all that much, you know, underground. And then everything above ground is kind of different. Yeah. So, you know, the biggest difference for me is that every day was insane in a physical location, brick and mortar cooking school in the middle of New York. And I had about 102 people on my payroll. You know, not everyone was full time, obviously, but there were just so many moving parts and a lot of the people management. And inevitably, on a day where we were hosting a wedding, the toilet would break literally, just inevitably. And, but all of those things, the big difference for me is those things were contained in a location that I felt, you know, I was always playing whack-a-mole, but I was playing whack-a-mole like on a board that was the size of the brick and mortar. Yeah. Now there's trucks out there and there's a boat and there's a war in Ukraine and that's affecting my sunflower oil. And there, you know, buyers are changing desks and everything. There's so much more. There are yeah. just so
0: many more variables. Yeah, um, they're different variables, but they're still there.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, I think that's when they talk about the scale and the potential, the scale of the variables is also more, you know, yeah. they're just more things. And um, sometimes it feels like there are just so many balls in the air that, you know, I'm I just, you know, you you're just terrified you're going to miss them or you're not going to hire well or you're going to underhire, overhire, underdelegate, overdelegate. Um
0: yeah, it's so. constant. I I have there's this consistent thread amongst entrepreneurs that I interview from all different industries and it, it's fascinating to me because I think when you're in a large company and, you know, maybe even mm-hmm. uh your cooking school was like this. There was waves, right? It wasn't like mm-hmm. spikes. And I feel like right. starting your own company, there's like super high days. Woo, we got into Whole Foods. And then all mm-hmm. of a sudden, fire change, <laughs> you know, like Yeah, that, right? And it's just these spikes where you yeah. feel crazy, right? On certain days. Crazy. because. And then you try and explain it, like your girlfriend calls you and says, hey, Allie, what's up? Like, how's your yeah. day going? You're like... Sunflower oil is like non-existent, (laughs) you know, and it's just—it's true, right? Yeah, and it's just cuckoo, and people can't understand it unless you're in the industry.
1: No, and it's funny because I don't have many friends at this point out of the (laughs) industry, you know. I've I've, between turning fifty and you know starting a business, and you know, I just I've shed. And the pandemic, probably, you know, my my core is is very core, and there there are less people that I have to explain like what do I do? And oh, that's so cool! Have you ever made a blah blah sauce? You know, um, and I I think in terms of the highs and the lows, it took me a little while. You know, I think the double whammy of the entrepreneur is that in a way we're sort of addicted. To those highs, mm-hmm. right, and we we've sought them out to some extent because that's what that's what we do. We build things that didn't exist before, and that's not going to be steady at all.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but they're really painful, and you know, at the beginning of all of this, they really derailed me. You know, I I'd, I'd just be sad for a few days. I still have them. I, I still definitely. Um, you know you're you're up against just constant you know you want your team to be engaged you want investors to be engaged you want buyers to be engaged you want consumers to understand how you're making their lives better like it's just you're constantly seeking approval and validation for this thing that you've yeah. that you've made out of sheer imagination you know and when people aren't picking up what you're putting down For whatever reason, or a truck breaks down, or UNFI doesn't pick up, or you know there's a war, right? (laughs) You
0: know, it's just it's really hard. All of those different pieces, yeah, Yeah. for sure. So you talked about fundraising. So how Mm -hmm. did you actually do the fundraising, or did you raise money for your company?
1: So I was fortunate because, like I said, the cooking school was profitable. Um, So the first, basically, seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars you know i i'm i think it was probably a little less but i'll just round it up was directly from the cooking school um, right. so that got me to you know when, where we left off with the 14 whole foods we get a call from John Lawson the three SKUs are really doing incredibly well let's go to the region can you come up with two new skews at that point um, We did, I don't think I raised money yet. When we did raise money was when we knew we were going global Um, because I needed to move to a bigger, better co-packer. And I knew I needed a little bit of a war chest for what was going to be a a national launch. Um, Fortunately, our co-packer invested in the company, which was great because they were essentially the lead and set the valuation, which made my life a little bit easier. Um, and I started with, you know, cooking school regulars and people who were loving what we were doing and were excited about it. And I went to, um, Rachel Ray, who had done a few events at Haven's Kitchen and she was excited about it and met the founders from our ex-bar, Peter and Jared. This was before they had a fund and they were excited about it. So I had really, really good, helpful, wonderful angels. Um, And have had a few different
0: rounds, mostly in notes
1: um, with angels.
0: Do you think that you're better off, if you're starting a company, do you think you're better off getting a little bit of traction before you try and uh, go and raise money? You know, I I flip-flop a little bit on this. I think that the
1: research is more... Um, it's easier to get money pre-launch mm-hmm. than it is with a little bit of data, because you know you can always poke holes in the data. But a big idea is a big idea. Um, that said, I've seen companies where they've kind of overraised or gotten sort of you know more um, institutional investors early on, and then the this the expectations on the company and the pressure on the company sure. are really hard. So I do think it's a good idea. It depends, again, you know, on your resources and how hard it will be for you to raise cash if you do find yourself needing it. But I think it's a good idea to have a group of invested people, not just with their money, but you know, who are rooting you on, who maybe can offer some help, those advisors that you talked about. I wouldn't necessarily say like your uncle and your, you know, brother-in-law. But um, yeah, If you, I mean, I, I think especially these days with the economy being what it is, we all need cash mm-hmm. more than we thought we would. So shore yourself up.
0: Yeah. No, I think that that's really, really smart. What do you wish you knew when you were starting? And you obviously had a network around you that was helpful, but what do you, was there anything that nobody mentioned to you that you wish you would have known early on? Um, I love the idea that you pulled a skew early on because you just weren't happy about it. Because I think a lot of times people are like, oh, give it more time. And especially people in the industry where maybe they don't have ownership of it. You know, I think that's uh, whether you're hiring people and they don't, they're not really working out or there's a product Mm -hmm. or a skew. I think it's like the same lessons, like you've got to trust your gut and you've got to, you know. Nip it in the butt right there if you think that this is yeah. just not flying, and um, so I love that you did that. It shows you've got it, you know for sure that you can, um, that yeah. you can do in it. Cash running around to Whole Foods in cash,
1: buying up all of the yeah. <laughs> like, the one skew that I didn't want out there. Um, you know what I wish I knew was that you know there's no silver bullet that this is not an overnight you know i think the media portrays entrepreneurship almost in a dangerous way i think we read stories about valuations which is nonsense for me you know these guys raised a gazillion dollars and they're in 85 billion stores and they've sold out 86 times and you know it's it there's it starts to feel like if you're not doing those things then somehow you're not building a good business. But sure. there are so many different ways to build a good business. And you know, I think like you said, you 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 probably do have good instincts, or at least, you know, you can hone those instincts. I think what I, you know, the silver bullet is like I think for the first couple of years, every time I would meet someone who I thought was like the person you know, oh, this this guy has done this, so he'll be able to answer. This yep. person will be able to. And people are just people, and, and all they can share with you is their experience. They've had one experience, and they can share what they've learned, but no one can really tell you what to do, and no one's going to know the best thing for your business, and you're probably going to make a lot of mistakes, but those mistakes are really important because they will protect you from something along the line further, you know, if you listen to
0: them. I absolutely love that. Well, Allie, this has been such a pleasure. Everybody needs to go out and buy Haven's (laughs) Kitchen or you can actually order it online. We'll have all the info in the show notes as well. But as you all know, I love love, love founder stories. And I love them even better when they have amazing products. So I'm always on the lookout for great products, great companies, and great entrepreneurs for people to really get to know. So thank you again, Allie. And uh, thank you everybody for listening. So goodbye for now. Thanks for having me, Cara.